Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Any day now. Run! Run! up 10 a.m. How you guys doing? You made it to church today. Oh man, how you doing? I hope you're awake. Um, I hope you're with us and present. I know it's we're starting to get daylight back, right? And so we're happy here in Alaska coming up on eight hours of daylight. Praise the Lord, right? Um, let's welcome everybody who's with us online as well. Thank you for being part of our family. We love you as well. Um, we always want to say hi to Brent and Liz who are in Prague. They're part of our uh, global staff doing a great work there. We love you. We're grateful for you as well. So we are in a journey together uh, called Pace Yourself. And this series has been uh, kind of a way to start off 2020 in slowing down. And the idea behind all of this, as we looked at our lives and look at the culture around us, uh, we actually believe that we are not running the right pace to win the race. If, if life is sort of like a race, then, then the pace we set actually determines how we are going to run and win or not win the race that we're running. And so uh, we want to slow down a little bit. I think in general, most of us would say, my life is moving so quickly and I'm not sure quite how to slow down. And so that's what this series has been about, is slowing down, setting a pace, and then we've been studying these ancient practices or ancient disciplines of our faith. And the idea has been, what if we began to position ourselves for God's blessing? What if we began to position ourselves to hear from God and walk with God? What if there's something for us to do in the rhythm of our days and of our lives that could help us to understand God better and follow Him more faithfully? And that's really what the practices are all about. And, and we can't really get into the practices until we realize that we have a firm foundation in Christ Jesus apart from anything that we would ever do for him. That God gives us an identity. And, and we've talked about Jesus. When, when Jesus is baptized, he goes under the water and comes up out of the water. And the Father says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus operates and does all of his ministry not for an identity but from an identity. The Father loves him before he does anything. And so beyond that, we watch the life of Jesus and we say, well, what is it that Jesus did to position himself to be obedient to the Father and to walk in faithfulness to his calling? And so we are learning how to do those things. And so if you're new to Christianity, maybe you're a brand new Christian, this is huge for you to set these patterns in your life. If you're not a Christian and you're just sort of inspecting Christianity today, kind of understanding more about it by coming to church, this is a great way for you to understand that there is something that we can do to better hear from God and better understand Him, to understand what it looks like to be a believer. And so uh, before we get too far, a couple things for you. First, on your seat was a card that we call our action card. 
And I want you just at some point during the service to fill this out. Just check what your next step is and then drop this in the basket at the end. I'd love to text you a little information on how to move forward. And then as you guys see, there is a tank on the stage. This is part of our monthly rhythm as a church is that we fill up the tank and we give you an opportunity to get baptized. And we believe that this is an important part of our journey with Jesus. And in fact, as we look at the early church, what we see is the very first step of every believer after they gave their hearts to to Jesus was to get baptized. And in fact, like I just said, Jesus got baptized. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us, right? We should get baptized as well. And so this happens during the worship time at the end of the service. And if at any point during our message here today, you just hear God saying, today's your day. Uh, You've been in the church for 30 years, now's the time. Or you got baptized as an infant and you didn't make that decision on your own, today is the day. Or maybe you're giving your heart to Jesus right now in this service and now's that, that's your next step. If, if that's you, just you can walk out the doors. I'm going to assume that you're not bored out of your mind, that you're actually going to get baptized. So um, don't feel any shame. Just walk on out and you can uh, get everything you need. We've got t-shirts and shorts and hair dryers, everything you need, ladies, so uh, to get baptized here uh, this morning. Would you stand up? I'd love to read God's word and let's just stand in honor of the scriptures here today. This is Psalm 119. It says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes I will not forget your word. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your word to us. God, thank you for everyone who's here in this room today. We are here with a purpose. And and God, I know it's your desire to speak to us today. So God, I pray that we would open ourselves up to that. We know it's it's not you that keeps us from hearing you, God. It's really us. Uh, God, so I pray that we would hear your voice, be changed by you, uh, God, and that we would walk away with hope. Father, fill us with hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to start off as we uh, walk into this conversation today by setting a bit of a foundation for what we're trying to do as we pace ourselves in life. The whole idea behind this series has been really to be present and to notice what God is doing and to, to posture our lives to hear from Him and walk with him. And so a few weeks ago, Pastor Josh actually shared this piece of artwork that he had run across at one point, and I thought it spoke beautifully to our series. And so I want you to take a second and look at this. Today what we're talking about are the practices of study and meditation. That's really what you're doing right now is you're, you're looking at something and going, what does this mean? And, and, and maybe a deeper question is, what does it mean for me? And when I, when I looked at that picture, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, have you ever done this where you've tried to experience a significant moment in life through your iPhone? Anybody? Come on. Anybody with me in this? A few of you in the room? Yeah, the half hand raise. I'm sorry. I'm guilty of that. Like birth of my child. It's like, woo! 
you know, I was not actually present in that moment, or whatever it was, I think we're all guilty of this. And so that's, it's just this image that depicts, like, here's Jesus on the cross, the gospel in the flesh. And people are trying to kind of document this moment, right? And what I would say is that as we walk into this conversation about slowing down and meditating on God's word and understanding who he is, the reality is this. Most people would say we've maybe seen God at work or we've seen uh, God doing incredible things through the church or we've, we've seen it out there somewhere, but few people have actually experienced it. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what happens, maybe not so beautiful, kind of terrible picture of what happens in our lives when we don't slow down, put the technology away for a moment, and allow ourselves to be present. Uh, There's this old adage that kind of floats around, and it goes like this. Uh, Youth pastors say this all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You heard that before? And that that preaches, right? It's a whole other sermon, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But I would say this, I would say show me your focus and I'll show you your future. Like, what is it that you're actually focusing on? Are you actually seeing Jesus? I have a bad tendency of looking out the window when I'm driving. My wife hates it. Um, and she, honey, keep, the, keep your eyes on the road. Why? Because when we tend to look out the window, we will veer towards the ditch, right? I don't know, is this just me? But when I'm driving, if I look out the window, whatever I'm looking at, I just, ah, ah, in and out, you know, ah, you know, I start, I start steering towards whatever it is. And, and the idea here is to redirect our focus towards something worthy of directing our lives toward. And that's the whole point of this series. And so we're going to talk about meditating and studying. I was reading a study this week in the book that we've walked through as a church. Uh, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And the author talks about this, this study where um, they were studying our attention spans and how before the digital revolution, the attention span of the average person was 12 seconds, <laughs> which means I lost you a long time ago, right? You're like, I'm not even paying attention anymore. 12 seconds of an attention span. And then after the, the, the revolution of this digital age and all of a sudden we've got phones and technology and, and everything coming at us like it does now, the average attention span is eight seconds. Do you believe that? Eight seconds. That's how long you can pay attention. And then they studied goldfish and their attention span is nine seconds. So we're being beat by the goldfish. This is, this is a problem. I think most of us would say, yeah, I struggle to pay attention sometimes. There's something about the world that I live in and the pace of my life that keeps me from really focusing on things and understanding things. And, and in all of that, I would say that our memories have taken a major hit, haven't they? You know, like we're sitting around the, the dinner table the other day and somebody asks a question about, you know, like who wrote this song or, you know, how much does a platypus weigh? I don't know. Like, and it's like, hey, Siri, because we've got the Amazon dot in the corner of the room. Hey, how much does the platypus weigh? And all of a sudden, we've got information that none of us need and none of us looked up. We just ask Siri, right? Siri is now our memory. And because of all of that input, I think for mo- most of us, we'd say we don't have very good memories, uh, some people are born with better, better memories than others. I'm going to give you that. But at the same time, all of us could probably do a lot better here than we do. We've got all of these senses to absorb what's going on around us, and yet most of us are not really using them. We don't have very good memories today at all. Can you remember your own phone number? Most of you are like, yes. Can you remember some, one person who's important to you, their phone number? Yes, okay. Can you remember your best friend's phone number? Okay, the room starts splitting, right? 
You get three degrees away from your phone number and everybody's like, I have no idea. Which is funny because I remember my phone number from when I was a kid in upstate New York, which is crazy, years ago, because why? You had to. I didn't have anything to type it into, right? I wasn't going to have a little note on me with my phone number. I, I, had, I had it memorized even as, as a kid. And I'm going to read this study, and uh, these are, he's going to use words that uh, are above my pay grade, and so I'm just going to admit that right off. But he's talking about how the brain works when it comes to memory. He says this, experts believe that the hippocampus, along with another part of the brain called the frontal cortex, is responsible for analyzing these various sensory inputs, and listen to this, and deciding if they're worth remembering. So your brain is always triaging information. Important? Not important. I'm not sure if this matters. Does it matter? It says this, if they are worth remembering, they may become part of your long-term memory, and these various bits of information are then stored in different parts of your brain. So here is the hard truth that all of us um, need to realize this morning, and it's this. Memory is linked to perceived value. Our memory is linked to the perceived value of whatever it is that we're encountering. And, and I, th- I know that all of us struggle with, with like memory sometimes. If you're like me, I say this a lot. Um, I'm really bad with names. <laughs> Which in the moment is kind of like, yeah, you don't matter at all, right? Like, tell me your name, Bill. All right, Bill, I'm not going to remember that, right? <laughs> you have no value in my life, right? That's kind of what it feels like if you've been on the receiving end of a statement like that. But we're all guilty of it, right? Hey, I forgot your name. I'm sorry, I have bad memory. I forgot the milk, honey. I'm sorry. I have a bad memory. Ah, I forgot to call you back. I'm sorry. I have a bad memory. And in general, we accept that. It's okay. We just have bad memories. But what about other scenarios? I forgot my anniversary. Sorry, I have a bad memory. I forgot to pay the mortgage. Sorry, I have a bad memory. I forgot to go to work. Sorry, I have a bad memory. I forgot to go to get on the plane for my flight. I'm sorry, I have a bad memory. Can I get a refund, right? The answer is no, you cannot get a refund. Now, when we read those type of things, most of us go, I've never done that. I've never just forgotten to go get on a plane, right? Why? Because I spent $900 to get out of Alaska, and you better believe that I'm going to be on that flight, right? Early. I'm going to show up early to get on that flight. Memory is linked to perceived value. It's an unfortunate truth, isn't it? All of us would like to say that things in our lives, that we value them, and yet we don't try to remember them. And I would say this, that the lengths that we're willing to go through to remember things are connected to their importance in our lives. What length would you, if you knew that you had to remember this person's name and like your future was on the line, right? This is a job interview. You need to know the boss's name. You forget his name, it's going to look really bad. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to remember their name. You're going to write it down. You're going to type it into your phone. Like you are going to do whatever it takes to remember the name of that person. Now, how does this link in with all of this? We're talking about studying and meditation on God's word. Now, I remember growing up in the church, one of the first things we started doing was memorizing the Bible, which is a really good thing. I grew up going to Awanas, and in Awana, you get little jewels for memorizing verses, which is great, right? I'm not sure why they were so important to us, but we'd memorize verses to get the little jewel in our our little crown here. And so, like, we'd memorize verses, and and I, I think even today, for a lot of Christians, there's a value, a high value in memorizing the Bible, And if you've been in the church for a long time, you have some verses memorized. And it's important. 
It's important to know the Bible, to have some some verses of the scriptures that describe God to us so that we can respond to the situations we encounter. They give us an understanding of the character of God. They help us to have an answer for other people. They are a filter by which to look at the world through. I mean, understanding the scriptures is so important for us as Christians. It's a window into the character and knowledge of God. And the psalmist gets this. He says, in, in Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, I've always read that like, oh, he memorizes a lot of scriptures. Oh, he's a Bible quizzer. Look, that's great. He, 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 he remembers a lot of scriptures, and, and that's really good. But as I studied this, it's so much deeper than memorization. This idea of storing, another translation says, treasured up. Like, I've treasured up the words of God in my heart And when he speaks about his heart, what he means is his will. It's like I've treasured up these words into my life and I have applied them and they have shaped my will and my drive and my direction in life. And as you begin to walk down this road, what you realize is Bible memorization in and of itself has zero value. And you're like, pastors aren't supposed to say that. I know, I know. Bible memorization is a good thing, but on its own, it has no value. Do you know the Bible never tells you to memorize the Bible? Like just mem- because you know who memorized the Bible? Pharisees, Sadducees. In-, in fact, Jesus, beyond the baptism, we know that Jesus went to the desert, was tempted by the devil. What did the devil use to tempt Jesus? The, the scriptures, right? The scriptures, right? And Jesus responded to the scriptures with more scripture, right? He understood the truth and he was able to respond to that. But you know who knows the Bible better than you do? The devil, right? He knows the Bible and he wants to use it against you, right? So we got to know the scriptures to respond to that. But simply knowing them does nothing for us. If you have the whole Bible memorized and that's all you've done with it, good job, you've put yourself on par with the devil, right? That's all that literally means. That makes us really religious people with zero life change, which ultimately hurts the church, right? So we want to take the words of God, and please don't hear me say don't memorize. You're like, dang it, Brian, 2020 was my year of memorization. Do it. Like, go after whatever that is that you're memorizing, but let it into your soul, right? I mean, there's, there's this important process of taking the words and knowledge of God and letting it change our hearts, and it's something that we understand through meditation. Meditation. Psalm 119.15 says, I will meditate on your precepts, and I will fix my eyes on your ways. The word meditation has gotten a bad rap in the church. Um, I think when we think of meditation, we think of Eastern religions, right? And for, for Eastern religions, there is this, this, this rhythm of meditation, and that rhythm of meditation is all about emptying your mind and disconnecting from the world. So that's the whole purpose of Eastern meditation. Empty your mind and, and disconnect from what's all around you. It's the exact opposite of Christian meditation. It's the polar opposite of it. Christian meditation is all about filling your mind and connecting with God. You see the difference? I mean, it's the exact, and so for us in the church, we can't be intimidated that, that you know, meditation has been sidelined by, by other religions or other belief systems. We need to understand that we were intended to meditate on the word of God. 
And I don't know what you think of when you think of meditation, like somebody, you know, with their legs crossed, and, right? Like it's so much more than that. Richard Foster calls meditation the sanctification of the imagination. So sanctification is to make something holy. And God gave us an imagination. Once again, in the church in general, we get really weird around imagination. We get, we get scared, right? Like don't you use your imagination. We stand on the truth of Scripture, right? But there is a place also to use your imagination to envision yourself and your life in obedience to what God says. And it can actually help you to, to walk in that in new and creative ways. That's what med- meditation is about. It's about taking these words and allowing God to stir them up in your heart and in your life. And when Christians connect their calling with their imagination, it's like an explosion of kingdom power. When you connect your calling to your imagination, God's power will work through you and incredible things will start to happen. When's the last time you sat down and just started imagining how God could use you to expand his kingdom? I was talking with a friend the other day who works in the finance industry and he was so excited. He's like, man, I have all kinds of ideas. And I'm like, I like ideas. And he said, I know that ACF's taken some next steps and that we're expanding our building and we're finishing out the final phase of building our lobby and we're raising some funds for this. And he's like, one thing I know how to do is raise money, right? And work with money and multiply money. And he's like, I'm literally laying in bed at night dreaming of ways to use what I do so that we might be an explosion of the kingdom in our community. So that we might continue to go after the things that God has called our church to go after. And these are the kind of things for, for you. You have ideas. You have skills and gifts that, are, that I don't have. And you've got to begin to spend some time quietly listening to the voice of God. And letting him change your heart and redirect your life so that you can fulfill that calling. Here's what meditation is. It's the art of hearing God's voice and allowing it to change you. I think a lot of people, that's, that's the missing piece, right? I, I mean, in general, let's be honest. We in the church don't need more information. We need transformation, right? Like, I can read a whole book of the Bible up here, and that's, that's fun, and that's great. Maybe you'd enjoy that. Some of you are like, I would leave, and that's fine. But you need more than that, right? We need to be transformed by the Word of God. And when you're transformed by the Word of God, guess what you want more of? The Word of God, Right? Like, what if the reason that you don't want to read your Bible is because what you've read so far hasn't been allowed to change you yet? Like, you haven't allowed it into your life yet. And what if allowing God to change you through his word will actually motivate you to read the scriptures? So that's meditation. I want to talk a little bit more about study then, moving from meditation to study. John eight thirty two says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Oh man, that's so good. When you know the truth, it will free you because we're going to encounter all kinds of lies. You're going to go to work on Monday and you're going to encounter a lie from the outside or from the inside. You're going to be watching TV. You're going to encounter a lie. You're going to go through a challenge in life. There will be lies. And so I love that idea that when we know the truth, it will bring us freedom. And so how is this different than meditation? How is study different from meditation? Well, I would say it like this, meditation is about us experiencing and imagining the truth, where study is about knowledge and knowing the truth. You could say that meditation is devotional and study is analytical, which some of you, you, you're just getting all excited about that part, right? You're like, that's how my mind works. I am not a creative, Brian. 
You know, I don't imagine much of anything in my life, but I do analyze everything. I've been analyzing your whole sermon so far, right? And so for your mind, God has created you that way. And for all of us, we need to lean into study, which is the journey of beginning to know the truth so that we can actually respond to it. Now, now one of the problems, I think, the biggest barriers for us is that most Christians in the church today would say, I don't know how to study. I've got a Bible on my nightstand, a Bible on my kitchen table, a Bible in my bookshelf. I've got 17 Bibles. I don't know what to do with it. Most people kind of feel that way. I want to give you a little quick hack uh, for you and for your life. Um, I go to a lot of different websites and looking for, you know, scripture translations and things. Um, So I want you to just, if you have a pen and you want to get better at study real quick, write down biblehub.com. That's my favorite Bible website. You can get the Bible on the internet. It's free, which is awesome. Biblehub.com. And then in the upper corner, there is a tab that says commentary. So don't get freaked out. But, but the commentary is simply, there are men and women who have gone before you who have studied God's word and want to help you understand it. They want to help you know the word and, and get some background on it, understand the context of it and how it applies to our lives today. And then you're going to click on commentary and there's going to be like 87 options and then you're going to want to go back to Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. But don't, don't stop there. I want you to click on the Matthew Henry's commentary. So BibleHub.com, commentary, Matthew Henry's commentary. And then I want you to just think of maybe a scripture that has spoken to you. I mean, you can just start in the Gospels and work through it until you find something that's maybe challenging or confusing. And then I want you to just type it into Bible Gateway, click on commentary, go to Matthew Henry's, and you will get paragraph upon paragraph of really beautiful information about that scripture. Now, for some of you, you're like, Brian, can you, pre- can you, can you up your game a little bit? Like, this is, pretty, this is pretty simple stuff. Others of you, you haven't begun to study. And so this is so important that you begin with, with a commentary that there are, are, are a lot of resources for us to use to understand the Word of God. But study goes so much farther than simply even the Bible. You know the Bible's a tool, right? It's a tool given to us to understand God. It's not God. And so we got to study the Bible and the words of God, but we also need to study nature. Do you know if you study nature, you'll start to see God? Oh, it's awesome. Like the other day, this, was so, this is strange for me, but like a snowflake came down and landed on my finger, and I was like, holy cow. And I had like my daughter over next to me, I'm like, have you seen this? These are amazing. <laughs> I felt like a little kid again, but I, I mean, I, I spend so much time trying to get this junk off my driveway that I never stopped to just look at a snowflake. But there it was, and it was incredible. And I was like, wow, that just happened? That's amazing. I see God in that, right? Study nature. Study music. I listen to all different kinds of music because there is truth that comes in music. If it's true, guess what? It's God's. If it's true, it's God's. And so we find truth in music, in art, right? We just looked at a piece of art in cultures, in history. Oh man, we need to understand history, folks. When you, when you read through the journey that we've been on, you understand history, you, you see the pitfalls of leaders and of humanity, right? I mean, really, half the Bible is history. Like, don't do this, right? Learn from them. And one day, people will read our story, and they'll be like, learn from you, Right? And this is the journey that we're on. Understand history. 
study people. Anybody like to people watch at the airport? Oh, I love it. That's my favorite thing. I like to go there early and just watch people. And you learn stuff about people when you watch them. And, and I mean, this, this matters beyond your understanding of God. I mean, sure, when you watch people, you'll start to understand good and evil and God, you know, and, and how he's at work. But what you'll also see is when you, when you study people, you'll know how to reach them. Do you know that our community will tell us how to reach them if we just be willing to listen? Do you know that your friends in your life will tell you how to reach them with the gospel if you're willing to study, to listen, to focus, and to ask really good questions about their lives, to study how has God gotten to them to where they are and how might God use me to help them to take a step forward? You'll hear things like, man, I used to be um, a churchgoer, and then I just, I knew that church, Christians were all uh, hypocrites and judgmental, and I wanted nothing to do with them, and you're like, oh man, I can have some things to say about that, right? You'll hear a story of, yeah, my, my mom's struggling with a cancer diagnosis, and it's just really hard right now, and I'm um, just working through that, and you're like, oh man, I, I've got some things to say about that as a believer in Jesus, and I could pray for them, and I, you know, I, I mean, you'll hear some things in people's lives, and they will tell you how to reach them if you're willing to listen and to study them. Now, that sounds creepy, study your friends, but I'm not talking stalker, I'm just talking like listen, listen to what they have to say. As Christians, I believe that we are to be students of the truth wherever it can be found. We're to look for the truth. We're to be students of the truth. We're to test things so that we can know the truth. Uh, In fact, in the book of Acts, we're introduced to this group of people called the Bereans. And uh, when we walked through the book of Acts Acts this summer, we talked about them a little bit. This is a group of people living in um, what is modern-day Greece. And uh, these people dedicated their lives to studying the Scriptures. And they knew how to test what they were experiencing through the lens of the Scriptures. In Acts 17.10, it says, In that very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So they were listening. They were open-minded, right? And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And as a result, many Jews believed as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. I love that. Like, I would love it if when you go home from church today, you didn't just get caught up in whatever was on TV or, or whatever was going on at, at, at your home, but you would take the scriptures that we read in church and you would go home and go, what's actually true about this? Because as much as we try to be theologically grounded and as much as I try to share a, a well-rounded truth with you on Sunday morning, I'm still a human being. But the scriptures, right, these, these are not changing, right? Th- these are not moody. They don't change with the culture. They're what we use to interpret life through, right? We live in a world of, uh, here we are, the political season is, is ramping up, right? And the term that's been thrown around for the past year or a little bit longer is the term fake news, right? We live in a fake news world. And and I don't know whether you're super red or super blue, you know that it's hard to find accurate news today, right? Right? You guys know that, right? I hope you know that. Oh, man. Uh, CNN does not have the corner on the market. Fox News does not have the corner on the market. Making some enemies at church today. I know I am. But listen, you got to look for the, we need to be Bereans of the news, right? I mean, if we're going to be smart about it, we got to look for truth. Just the same thing, we need to be Bereans of the truth. We need to look for it and study it. And 
And here, if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I've taken study seriously enough or not, here's a good test for you. If you've ever heard the doorbell ring in the middle of the day and seen two men in suits or two women in dresses and hidden behind the couch, you might not be taking study seriously enough. You've done it, haven't you? I've, I've done it. I've done it, right? So we've all been there, right? Somebody comes to the door. They want to share their, their faith with you. And then all of a sudden, the kids are going, Mom, what are you doing behind the couch, right? They're like, oh, there's just some junk on the floor. I needed to clean up here. Found a little laundry behind here. Oh, look, a cookie, right? You're just, you're digging stuff out from underneath, trying to look like you're not hiding. But we've all been, and now what would cause a person to not want to answer the door to somebody who maybe is from a different faith background than you, who wants to ask you some questions? What would keep any of us from doing that? The fear of not having the answer, right? That fear inside of us is like, you're going to fail at this. You're not going to be able to defend the faith that you stand on. Which begs the question, do you really stand on it? And so we have to know, like, there's something wrong here when we're not willing to answer the door. But it goes deeper than that. What happens when life opens the door to something? A challenge some kind of issue that you're walking through that is absolutely terrifying. And here's the deal. Here's what I know is that you can't hide behind the couch. So will you have an answer in those moments? And that's really what meditation and study can do for you like it did for this couple on this video. Check this out. Hi, my name is Andrew Fox. Uh, this is my wife, Katie. Um, we moved up here to Alaska in, I want to say, June of 2016. The Air Force brought us up here. I'm a C-17 maintainer, and my wife is a... I'm a special education teacher with the Anchorage School District. Andrew and I, we got married at the age of 20, uh, and getting married young, we definitely wanted to wait and have kids until I was done with school and just our careers were more settled, I guess. Um, and so about now over two years ago, we kind of sat down and said, you know, now's the time. And it has been two years of waiting um, for that time to still be right. And, you know, it was kind of sporadic at first, like, oh, let's, we can make this happen, you know. It'll happen eventually, you know, you get all the people coming in and saying, like, you know, it'll just, just relax, like, it, don't stress about God's it. God's time. Yeah. And I think that their intentions are good, but when you're in the muck, um, God doesn't feel kind. God doesn't necessarily um, feel good in those moments um, and I think that's what we kind of learned was it's okay to kind of be in to be in it um, to have people to just come and sit with you in the muck it's not easy you know every month to get the reminder you know that mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be a father and you're not gonna be a mother you know and I don't necessarily feel bitter towards other women who are able to get pregnant and um, able to be a mom, um, it's just bitterness over the situation I and mean, almost this, uh, maybe this 
bitterness towards God. Like, God, I know you are capable. I know you are all powerful, but why? Why aren't you blessing us? And I, I think that kind of leads right into this last month. We have not had the easiest month at all. Um, I came home and uh, you know the burnt, when you burn food, there's just that like haziness in there. That was as soon as I opened up my door. So I, you know, I checked everything. I called him. He was at work on base. He told me to call um, Stephen Reynolds, who's part of our life group. And he was at Walmart and was there within like three minutes. And um, yeah. Our, yeah, I mean, we had a house yeah. fire. I looked up and on our roof line, like there were flames coming out. It was just kind of surreal. surreal. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, is this really happening? In that, you know, the month since the fire, uh, we've had a negative pregnancy test that like next weekend, we've had problems with our rental house and the furniture, the pipe burst because <laughs> the cold of our new rental garage. And I think it really left us at the end of our rope. And- um, Angry at God. Yeah. one way or another, we're going to come at the end of this and it's going to be finished and God's going to deliver. It has nothing to do with what I do. So I can either choose in this meantime, in this muck to learn, learn to see him, to try to learn what he's teaching us or just go through it and be get bitter. to the other end. Yeah. yeah. Be unhappy for the rest of our yeah. lives. Like that's, that's not it. No. You know, you gotta you gotta have faith. For the last two years, like we want this story to glorify him. Um, and I think in order to do that you have to look for him. And he's um, there. What kind of brings me out of my stupor and out of my I don't know, brooding, I guess, is it's been the people. The mm -hmm. people that have reached out. It's Absolutely. just the support we had from not only our life group, um, bringing us meals and literally letting us stay at their house, giving us things that we needed to get by for the meantime. It just was overwhelming, but in all the, all the good ways. We wouldn't be as stable, I guess, as we are right now. Like, That's we know true. that if some, the next thing that happens, someone will be there for us. Like, I have no doubt about that now. Mm -hmm. And that's God. Those are, yeah. that's our people. That's our, our people, people. are awesome. Mm -hmm. They are. Yeah, give them a hand, would you? That's awesome. There really comes a point where all this church stuff and the scriptures and sermons that you listen to, books that you read, there comes a point where it moves from theory to reality, right? And in that moment, what you find out is whether or not it's gotten into your soul or not. And I, I, these guys are inspiring. I'm inspired by listening to their story because what you, what you hear in their voice 
is that this stuff that we read and study every week is not just theory. I mean, it's real. And it's changing them and giving them perspective in situations where other people might just lose hope. How can you have hope in situations like that? Well, you need to slow down enough to hear the voice of God and believe, listen, today that Jesus still speaks. Jesus still speaks to us. And so we're going to do something maybe a little different to end our, our message here today. Uh, I mentioned I have a tank up here, and, and if you have not been baptized, listen, don't leave here without getting baptized today. We've got everything that you need. Don't leave here without moving from theory to reality and letting God inform your actions that drive your life. And so we'd love to see you do that. And, and beyond that, what we're going to do is we're going to just spend a couple seconds looking at some scriptures on the screen and meditating on those words. And as you read the words on the screen, I want you to ask yourself these questions. What does Jesus want to say to me right now? Where have I not taken God at his word? And what do I need to do next? And I'm just going to trust that as you read the scriptures and as God speaks to your heart, he's going to let you know exactly what to do. Love you guys.